0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Good morning, church. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that beautiful reading. Uh, what What an incredible vision that reading is for us. eh? Well, I want you to think to a time when you have felt the emotion of frustration. Yes, you've guessed it. I'm a bit frustrated that I'm still hobbling on my ankle. It seems to be uh, 10 steps forward, um, 14 steps back. Um, but that's the, sometimes that happens in life and we, uh, we, uh, we manage it. Um, but frustration is one of those interesting emotions. And it's uh, a spiritual frustration that I'd like to um, talk to you about today. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that that there may be more than just me in the room that, that sense this spiritual frustration. Uh, a few months ago, I was leaving home on a Sunday morning to get to church at because Sorry, I'm Andrew. I'm one of the team here, in case you haven't met me before. Uh, I generally hang out at our Taramara campus. Um, and one morning I was leaving Home, and uh, as I do, I always order my coffee on the way on my little app so I can, I can pick it up on the way. And it, you know, the coffee keeps me awake on the freeway coming down in the morning. And uh, so I, I pulled into Cheeky Charlie's at Erinner because uh, I live on the central coast. And, and this morning, I, I, I parked, I jumped out of the car, left the car running, uh, ran into Cheeky Charlie's, grabbed my coffee, ran back out again. And for some reason, my Amarok decided to, at that moment, lock itself. So I went to open the door, and the door was locked. I'm like, what are you doing to me? Um, <laughs> the car's running. Um, I, I, I tried the back door, the side door. All the doors were locked. I'm like, what is going So all of a sudden, your frustration level like, goes up a notch, right, from zero to, to two, or maybe, maybe three out of ten, right? And then I'm like, that's all right. I'll, I'll call Carol, and I'll... I'll get her to bring the spare key. It's only 10 minutes away. So I go to reach my phone and I see it sitting in the cradle. <laughs> it's like frustration level, five out of 10, right? And then i was like, okay, it's okay. I can go and find a phone from somewhere and I'll ring Harold and get the spare key. And as soon as I said the word spare key, I'm thinking, where's the spare key? Oh, that's right. It's in the glove box. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all of a sudden it's, it's, it's 8 out of 10 um, um, frustration level, right? And so I'm like, okay, well, I have to get NRMA. It's the only thing that I can do. So I ran into the cafe, asked if I could borrow the phone. Um, they lent me the phone. I called NRMA, and they said, yep, we'll be there within 90 minutes. I'm like, 90 minutes? is an emergency. I have a service to run in, in like half an hour. Um, and so all of a sudden, I'm at 10 out of 10 frustration level. Um, and... and um, I'm sure many of us have started off a day thinking that this is going to be just a normal day, and all of a sudden, this sequence of events occurs, and you find yourself becoming increasingly frustrated. Well, that was, that was my Sunday. Well, fortunately that morning, I, Carol kindly offered to drive over to Erina, leave me her car so I could get to Sydney. I made it like at one minute to nine. Um, Carol waited for NRMA, and she made it uh, to her church up on the coast. Um, literally, just you know, one minute to uh, yeah, right before nine o'clock. So we both made it to church. It was okay. Whew. But frustration um, is an interesting emotion that we feel in life, but I believe we can also feel it spiritually. And I, I guess I have felt um, a spiritual frustration. Ever since I've become a Christian, i became a Christian at 14 years of age and because I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with the person that, he, that, that, that I learned him to be in, in, in God's Word. His, his way of being, his, his capacity to love, his, his wisdom, his compassion, um, everything about him I just fell in love with. And so as I read God's Word as a young Christian, I began to realise that actually I can become like him. This is a vision for my life, to become increasingly like Jesus. And so for the last 35 years, I've sought to, to live into this, this vision that we, that we heard read out to us, this vision of, of becoming increasingly like Jesus. But the frustration comes when I, I see the gap between the vision of the life that I'd like to live Influenced by Jesus and the reality of the life that I actually live. So I read how Jesus um, invites me not to worry, and yet I still see myself getting anxious. You know, I I hear Jesus inviting me to be to be generous, and I still see myself sometimes being stingy. Um, I see Jesus. You know, up on the cross, forgiving his, his persecutors and inviting me to forgive as he's forgiven me. Yet I still see myself sometimes holding onto resentment. I, I see this, this gap between the person that I want to be in Christ and the reality of my life here and now. And even after 35 years of, of pursuing Jesus and seeking to live into my life with him, I, I still have to confess. That I feel a frustration, that I am still on this journey, and sometimes um, um, I, I, um, I I can't believe you know how much how much this journey takes, and it's it's it is a long journey, but it's a it's a journey that is worth pursuing. And so this morning I'd like to explore what it means to be on this journey of transformation. What does it mean to? To, to be transformed in Christ. Because it's a, it's a vision that, that, that we are given in the scriptures. And in fact, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, we hear Paul write these words. And this is written by um, a man who, as we know, went through an incredible transformation himself. The beginning of Acts 8, we see him persecuting the church and jailing Christians. Um, and then we see him in Acts 9, you know, preaching about God's love. <laughs> He went through this incredible transformation, which gives me hope that, in fact, this frustration that I feel can be overcome. That, that I, if if Paul can be transformed so radically, then then I can be too, and you can be too. And he writes these words to the Corinthians, and we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image, with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Who is the Spirit? And we all—now that includes me—and it includes you, all, all of us—who, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory as we contemplate, as we consider, as we as we wonder Christ's character, His glory his characteristics, his qualities. As we place ourselves in his presence, we are being transformed into his image. And I love these next words, because these next words are the words that give me hope in the midst of my frustration. With ever-increasing glory, with ever-increasing glory, You see, this journey of transformation that we are on from the moment we invite Jesus into our life is a journey of ever increasing glory. And in in my life, at least, I can confess that sometimes this is a bit like my, my bung ankle. It's like 10 steps forward, six steps back, four steps forward, eight steps back. Have you ever sensed that in your own journey with God, in your own transformation? Sometimes I find myself doing so well in a certain area of my life, and then something occurs and I find myself going backwards. But rather than give in to that frustration, I want to recognize that I'm on this journey of ever-increasing glory, and it's going to mean that sometimes I'll go backwards, but you know, I will also go forwards. Why? Because this is not a self-help. Transformation. This is not a, you know, a psychological behavior modification transformation. This is a spiritual transformation because it says this comes, this transformation, from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so we need to recognize that what's occurring in our journey of transformation is a spiritual transformation as we partner with the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes, you know, I let the Holy Spirit down. And I confess that. But I know that with the, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, I can be on this journey of ever increasing glory. This journey of being increasingly transformed into the image of Christ. And you know, Christ is someone who our, our whole world respects. I love that about Jesus. You know, the, the Buddhists love him, the, the, the Muslims love him. You know, the Baha'i love him. Every religion in the world seems to want Jesus as a prophet because there's something about Jesus that stands out. And and I, I want to become more like him. I know that, that I want to live into the best version of myself. That's my desire. And, and for me to live into the best version of myself means that I want to live my life as Jesus would live my life if he were me. And that means being on this beautiful and frustrating journey of transformation, of increasingly being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Now the reality is we are all on a journey of formation. That is the truth. From the moment we are, being, the moment we are born, we are, we are on a journey of being formed of our soul being formed and shaped slowly, slowly, slowly. And if we're not aware that we're being formed, then what will happen is that we will incidentally be formed by society and culture and and those around us, those influencing people and forces around us. But we are being formed. Our ideas, our beliefs, our desires, our character... Uh, they're all constantly being formed. So the big question is what's, what's forming us and who is forming us? I became a Christian when I was in year eight uh, at high school and I had a few great years of, of growing as a Christian. But what I found was that as I went into year 11 and 12, I started to allow the wrong people to shape me. You see, I... I ended up spending more time with some of my non-Christian mates at high school, and though they, they were great, great people. Um, they just lived with a different set of values than I lived, or that I, that I wanted to live into. And so what I found was that their values started to form me. And so by the end of year 12, I found myself living into a version of myself that I wasn't proud of. Um, and I realised this is, this is not the forming influence that I want to have on my life. And I knew I needed to, to do something about it. Well, the year after my HSC, I had a gap year. Um, and in that year, I decided to get out of Sydney and have a time of, of just focusing on my relationship with God. In fact, I, I rang up a, a guy that I knew. His name is Bruce Richardson. And he and his wife uh, were, were farmers back then. They, they farmed this property of 30,000 acres between Ningen and Burke. And I'd met them a few years previous. And he'd said back then, if you ever want to come out to the farm, just ring me up and you can come and help me out. Um, he was just a young family guy and a Christian and just a wonderful, wonderful family. So I rang Bruce up. And I said, Bruce, uh, you offered me that I could come out. Would you mind if I came out and just had a few months with you? And he said, that'd be fantastic, Andrew. And so I, uh, I drove out in my... By that time, it was a pale blue 1973 combi. Um, And my red Bible, this one here, that I got when I was 15. And I spent three months out there. I stayed in the shearers' quarters at the back of his house. Uh, This this one room, it had a fireplace, which was my entertainment and my warmth. because It got pretty cold at night. Uh, My my kitchen was an electric fry pan uh, on a bench over here. And I had a, a pit dunny outside and a bucket of water for a shower. And I had an absolute ball. All day I would work with Bruce uh, out on the farm. Often we would spend the day fencing. So he'd start up one end and I'd start up the other end and we'd slowly work towards each other over a whole day. At night I just sat in front of the fire and I just read my way through the New Testament. Just slowly, surely, surely. I just, I just placed myself in the New Testament. And, and within these pages, Jesus met me. In these pages, I found myself being, being increasingly drawn to Jesus. And you know what happens when we place ourselves in a posture where we are in the presence of Jesus? He begins to shape and form our life. And so, over those few months, as my work my way through the New Testament, as I sat each night just reading and contemplating, and each day just considering what I've been reading, it was the most incredibly formative time of my life. And I think it was formative because, because I, I positioned myself uh, to, be, to be in the presence of Jesus. And in that presence, I invited him to, to influence me. I wanted him to influence me and shape me and form me. And, and over those months, that, that occurred. And when I, when I came back, um, I just had a whole different set of values. Um, I, I came back and started serving as a youth leader and, and um, just started increasingly pursuing him and ultimately going into ministry um, but it's, it's, um, it's a matter of choosing who will influence us. Who is forming you? What's forming you? The reality is we are all being formed. That's the truth. What's forming our life? Is it our culture? Is it our society? Or is it Jesus? Jesus? Paul writes these words to the Galatians. My dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul has this passion to see Christ being formed in the lives of those who he ministered to and reached. How is Christ being formed within us? My, my definition of a spiritual practice is this, because I believe it's spiritual practices that form us. And this is what I've come up with. Anything we do which leads us into the presence of Jesus and invites him to influence, shape and form our life is a spiritual practice. And you see, I believe it's those spiritual practices which will ultimately shape us into what God Paul is talking about, allowing Christ being formed within us. And the reason why I've come up with this, with this statement for a spiritual practice is because I've discovered that there are a myriad of spiritual practices. I think when I grew up as a Christian, I was told that you know, reading the Bible and praying were the two things I needed to do. And I would say they are still the most fundamental. But I've also discovered that there are a whole range of other ways, other practices that we can engage with, which can simply do that, lead us into the presence of Jesus and invite him to form and shape and influence us. And we see Jesus himself practicing a whole range, a myriad of spiritual practices. We see him you know, going into solitary places. We see him practicing solitude and silence. We see him. We see him praying. We see him um, practicing a Sabbath. We see him fasting. We see him memorizing Scripture. We see him um, practicing secret acts of secrecy. We we just see him doing all these myriad of spiritual practices. And and I believe in all those spiritual practices, he was drawing closer to the Father, and the Father was shaping his life. And you see that very much in Mark 1 when he went up to a solitary place and he came back and, and he went into a completely different direction in ministry as a result of, that, of, of the influence of the Father. So what are some spiritual practices that we can engage with that, that, uh, that allow us to be present to Jesus? A friend of mine uh, has made a spiritual practice out of his morning coffee. I thought that was so creative. See, it's anything that we do that allows us to be more aware of the presence of Jesus and his influence on us. So so he has a morning coffee, he wraps his hand around his mug and and his practice is simply to to remember the the warmth of Christ's love for him this day Uh, and his prayer is that that, that God's love for him will, will, will influence him this day in the way that he lives. How simple is that? A simple spiritual practice which... Which leads you into the presence of Jesus and invites him to influence your life. Go for a walk in nature. Something that helps you lead you into the presence of Jesus and invite him to influence you in the way that you see the world. Hey, go kayaking. Try that. For yesterday morning was like glass, it was magnificent. Just check out the picture on my Instagram. It was amazing. It was like, it was, I just had to post it because it was just phenomenal. One of those beautiful winter mornings, crisp, clear, and glassy. And I just felt so enveloped by Jesus. And my response was one of, of worship, of wanting to recalibrate my whole life according to the Creator and His, His values and what's important to Him. Gail Beebe um, wrote a book called Longing for God. He writes this, Spiritual formation is concerned with the hidden dimension of every human life, the space God has given us to become the person we choose to be. It's in this hidden space that we are shaped, that our character is formed, and it's here where God encounters us and we choose to follow him. I think he's right on the money. What's happening in the hidden dimension of our life? What's happening in the space that God is giving us that choice to be formed? Who are we allowing to form us? Who are we inviting to form us? Are we inviting society, culture, friends? Are we inviting you know, Jesus to form us? See, our inner formation will ultimately lead to this outer transformation. It's not the other way around. And this is what this, this journey is about. This journey of transformation starts from inside, that inner life. This is where our character is formed, where our desires are formed, where our values are formed. It's, it's, it's inside where, where Jesus begins to shape us and influence us so that we ultimately end up you know, doing the right thing at the right time, in the right way, for the right reasons, which is what character is all about. When Carol and I, um, after we got married, after a few years we decided that we'd build a house. And so we were looking for a block of land and we found this block of land that was for sale for a long time. We just kept driving past it all the time because the for sale sign was always there. And there was a reason, because this block of land was, was steep. Uh, it was basically a creek bed and in the middle of it was this enormous tree. Like, and I mean enormous like it, the, the girth would have been from Kiralee to me, literally. It was enormous. Um, and so we bought that block of land because ultimately it was cheap. Um. <laughs> In reality, it was what we could afford. And and it came time eventually to, to get this tree removed. Uh, we got the, the, the council approved plans and so forth, which, which meant that you know, the tree had to go. Um, and it was half sick anyway, so I didn't feel so bad. Um, but the tree loppers um, that came to look at it uh, were, were frightened with this tree. Um, some tree loppers just kept driving when they saw it because uh, it, it was big and there was houses either side and it was going to be awkward and it's a steep. It was, it was just an awkward job. And eventually they found a tree lopper that was willing to have a go and he, uh, he cut it down to probably about um, maybe four or six metres out of the ground. And he, and he said, look, I can't go any further down because I just, just don't have a chainsaw wide enough um, and it just, it's just too complicated. We're going to have to get uh, an uh, a, a excavator to come and dig it out and push it over. So, so he cut it down to a certain point and then when we had the, the exca- excavator come and dig for the foundations, um, we got an extra big excavator and it started uh, to have a go at this, at this tree. Uh, and it was, it was interesting standing there watching. Um, he began digging around it to try and loosen up a bit of the soil, and then he just started pushing against it with all his you know, hydraulic strength. And you know, the, the tree would just move you know, a, a centimetre at first, and then maybe an inch, and then maybe three inches. And he just kept going and going and going. And eventually, after some time, um, the whole tree w- went over. And as the tree went over, this root ball just flew up, you know, and it was just enormous. The, the root ball was like double the width of the actual trunk. It was just huge, and the tap root that's coming out of the bottom of it was enormous, and it just reminded me of the incredible um, way that a tree has this system under the ground which nourishes it. And in fact, they say that there's just as much timber under the ground than there is above the ground, You know, in the root system, in the, in the width and the breadth and the depth of the root system of a tree. And as we know, Jesus uses uh, you know, the tree as a description of our life in God. And in fact, he talks about becoming a good tree. And he says, you know, a good tree will bear good fruit. I've got, a, I've got the passage there, Matthew 7. Every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus talks about becoming good trees. What does it take to be a good tree? What makes a good tree? Is it healthy leaves? Is it healthy branches? It's a healthy root system, right? We know that. In fact, you can prune a tree right back, can't you? Till there's no branches left. And if it's a good tree, it'll start to re-sprout. Before you know it, it'll all start to grow again. You go, you go down to the Snow Mountains where there have been huge fires decimated the, the, uh, the forests. They're all blackened. And then you go back a few years later. And if those, if those roots are healthy, all of a sudden they just the trees start to re-blossom. Right? So Jesus says, every good tree bears good fruit. So this this journey of transformation, of increasingly being able to display spiritual fruit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all these fruits that we see in the life of Jesus that we're inspired by, those fruits will ultimately produce as a result of us being a good tree. And so when Jesus says every good tree bears good fruit, What I believe he's saying is, hey guys, focus more on the roots rather than the fruit. Focus more on going deeper in your life with me, in in being sustained with me. Position yourself so that you're in my presence and you're allowing me to influence who you are, what you value, your beliefs, your desires. And then the fruit will just naturally occur. And I think sometimes my frustration is that I see myself being impatient. And so then I say to myself, Andrew, you need to be more patient. And my focus goes on the fruit. And it, if I just focus on the fruit, what's that? That's just behavior modification. I'm trying to do it psychologically. I'm not, I'm, it's not spiritual transformation where I'm seeking the Holy Spirit to empower me and for me to sit in the presence of Jesus and allow him to influence who I am and my belief that that he is trustworthy, that he is in control, and therefore I can be patient. The psalmist writes, Blessed is the one who doesn't walk um, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person... Is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. I don't know about you, but I I want that to be a vision for my life. I desire for my for fruit, for my fruits to be to be yielding, to be yielding love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. But I know that. That transformation is an outer transformation that will only flow from an inner formation, which is the the, the roots of my life with God going deeper and being planted by streams of living water, the Holy Spirit. Dallas Willard writes, Christian spiritual formation is the redemptive process of forming the human world. So that it takes on the character of the inner being of Christ himself. In the degree to which it is successful, the outer life of the individual becomes a natural expression or outflow of the character and teachings of Jesus. See, it's all about being formed in our inner world so that our outer life continues to be increasingly transformed. Now, I don't want to live a frustrated Christian life. I want to live a transformed Christian life. I want to increasingly be formed by Christ. And the place where that formation needs to occur needs to be in here. It needs to be about those things that I care about, those things that I value, those things that I desire. Um, That's where I want Jesus to influence me. And I know that for that to happen, I need to find... Spaces where um, I'm in the presence of Jesus, and when I'm in the presence of Jesus, there's an opportunity there for Him to influence me, and form me, and shape me. And you know, there's no better place for me to be formed by Jesus than spending time in God's Word. Right? It's in these pages that I I just find Jesus becomes present to me so deeply and richly. And he begins to shape and form my thinking. But, you know, it also happens in my kayak. <laughs> right? So let's, let's, let's broaden the bandwidth of those opportunities, of formational opportunities, because we are all being formed every minute of every day. So let's count the 168 hours you're going to have for the next week. What are the formational opportunities that you have in the car while you're driving? You know, you, you, you can listen to some crazy DJs or, or you could listen to a podcast that inspires you in your faith. You know, you can, we, can, we, we, we can take advantage of all the opportunities that we have. As we close in Philippians 1.6 from the reading that we had, Paul writes, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That we can be confident that the day we came to know Christ, something started, something changed. The trajectory of our eternity changed, for sure. But also, the transformation of our character started to change. And that good work Will will continue to go on to completion until the day of Christ, which means this this ever increasing glory is a journey that we will go on for you know, until we see Jesus. Right? It's a it's a transformational journey, which means that I'm probably going to have to live with this frustration a little longer because I'm probably still going to I'm still going to let myself down in the sense of me wanting so much to live into the vision that. Christ has for me. But I know that as I keep exploring spiritual practices which lead me into the presence of Jesus, and in his presence, Jesus continues to form and shape and influence my life, my hope is that my journey of transformation will continue. Maybe four steps forward, two steps back in reality, but in ever increasing ways. Uh, My hope is that we will all continue towards that journey of completion until the day of Christ. And one of the great spiritual practices that we get to enjoy every week at Northside is communion. And what a gift this time is for us right now because it's exactly what I've been talking about. It's this opportunity to engage with a spiritual practice where we are positioning ourselves so that we become you know, present with Jesus, that we become aware of his presence. Tangibly with this cup and with this bread. These representations of Christ's you know, body and blood. And as we, as we invite Jesus to be present with us in this meal, we, we allow him to influence us and shape us. So may this be a transformative moment for us as we share communion and as we remember Christ's death and resurrection and, and as, as we remember the, the vision that he has for our life and the opportunity that we have to live into the best version of ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit as he continues to transform us as we partner with him. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you for your life, your death, your resurrection. For the vision that you give us of a life incredibly well lived, And Jesus, this morning as we share communion, we, we desire to be in your presence. So Jesus, draw near to us during this time. And as we become increasingly aware of your presence, may you continue to influence us, talk to us, convict us. We invite you, Jesus, just to shape us continually our thoughts, our ideas, our values, our desires. And Jesus, this week, may we find times and opportunities to to be in your presence. Give us creative minds of what it can look like to to find those opportunities, those practices that, that lead us into your presence so that you have an opportunity to shape and form and influence us. Jesus, we desire to be transformed from the inside out. And we thank you that it's not through our power, but it's through your Holy Spirit, the gift of of your power within us that can bring that transformation. We thank you that that is the reality that we can live into. So help us overcome our frustrations and to to live uh, deeply in you. And we thank you that begins by by sharing this communion together this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.